This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and this is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hello. Hey, Mike. Hey. I'm feeling like Batman, so if I start growling and asking you where you put the bomb, or why you don't have any friends, I apologize. You're feeling like Batman, or you're sounding like Batman? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so you're not feeling like your parents were murdered in an alley and now you're you're fighting crime in the middle of the night or whatever. You're not feeling like that or you are feeling like that? Well, sometimes I feel like that okay. when I have to talk about season three of the original series. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Segway into, well, uh, a lot of people have been clamoring that, that we talk about season three and that we ignore season three when we figured our, our first really season three focused episode will be the one where we uh, reject most of its canonosity. <laughs> yes. Yes. So it, it's time for another episode of Standard Orbit Canon. Theme music starts. We see a fast-moving star field. Episodes clips fly by the camera till one is stamped rejected and explodes, which fades into the Standard Orbit Canon logo as the theme music swells. Insert canon fire sound. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, because it's canon? Yes, it's funny. Oh, that, that works. That works. I, I I made a theme. I made a I made an intro video, but because it's an audio podcast, I had to just describe it. So there actually is like a video somewhere. Yeah, sure. I totally made a video. Okay. All right. All right. You how how much? Me. How Look, much does Mike, someone need to uh, donate? Wee! How much does someone need to donate on Patreon in order to see that? Five hundred dollars a month. Oh, that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> Directly to me, and then I'll make it. That's uh, patreon.com slash Drew Stewart. <laughs> That's not real. That's not real, <laughs> as far as you know. But yes, we're going to discuss the uh, the our canon, where we take uh, all the episodes and we decide whether or not they're necessary for the story, or at least how we see the story of Star Trek. Yes. The these original series. These aren't necessarily episodes that we think are good or bad. They're episodes that we think um, would make the overall canon better if they were included or not included, which oftentimes right. is because they're good or bad. You know, it's a balancing act. It's like trying to maintain a certain level of quality while simultaneously trying to make something that makes sense on the whole. Right. Yeah. So season three has 24 episodes. Mm-hmm. Short. Are, for... are we placing bets on how many uh, how many episodes we're actually going to have in the canon when we're done? Yeah. You know, I was looking over the list, and, you know, when I was thinking about it initially, I'm like, I think there's going to be this many. And then when I looked over the list, I'm like, wow, I'm surprised. There's actually... Probably like twice as many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, judging from your past, uh, you're thinking two? <laughs> uh, maybe a little higher than that, but we shall oh, see. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, I, I looked through the list and thought the exact same thing. So, maybe we're on the same page with the same episodes. Maybe. Maybe. Let's find out. All right. The first episode in season three that was aired was Spock's Brain. I'm going to read the uh, descriptions because some of these, not this one, but a lot of these episode titles are really vague. Yes. In Spock's brain, Captain Kirk pursues aliens who have stolen Spock's brain. Yes. I think we all know what this episode is. I think the reason why we all know what this episode is is because everyone hates this episode um, or loves it for being horrible. You know? Right. So because of that, I say we ditch it. 
Yeah, I, uh, looking back on it, it is not necessary. Like, it's got the whole problem. I have a lot of problems with, let's gain the knowledge of an entire civilization, but it's only temporary. Yeah. Uh, those kind of episodes, which is how this one, I mean, the deus ex machina is a machine that that basically lets uh, McCoy do the impossible. I don't know. I just finished watching Ethics for Next Generation. Yeah. And uh, it, it seems to be kind of similar. Oh, we could just regrow spines. It sounds like something that would be useful in the future. There's nothing wrong with Ethics. The problem comes in the very next episode where after ending ethics with him struggling to walk and then turning to Alexander and saying, we shall do this together. Then in the next episode, he's just like, hey, guys, what's up? Oh, I haven't watched the next episode yet. Spoilers. Spoilers. (laughs) Yeah. Spoilers. They never mention ethics again for the rest of of Star Trek. So, yeah. Uh, You think they'd come up, you know, like Julian... Doing his uh, his physical examination of sure. Worf when he joins the crew. They're like, dude, like, they, wait a minute. They, they grew you a new spine? spine? Yeah. That's ridiculous. I have a genetically modified brain, and I think that's stupid. Yep. That's neither here nor there. Well, it's kind of there. The next episode shown was The Enterprise Incident, written by DC Fontana. Mm-hmm. Uh, the crew of the Enterprise attempts to steal a Romulan cloaking device. I like this episode. Yeah, it's not a bad episode, and um, I mean, I guess it's what like the first time you see like the Klingon D sevens or something like that, whatever they are, and stuff. And you know, I don't know. There seems to be enough stuff in here which is built upon in the future. I mean, not that you could, not that you wouldn't know what was going on if this episode wasn't here. But it's decent enough that um, there doesn't seem to be really any reason to get rid of it. And we don't really want to cut the episodes with Romulans in them in half. Yeah. yeah. Like only having one Romulan episode. I, I like it. I like Spock uh, going undercover as like a, a traitor. Mm-hmm. I like Kirk pretending to be a crazy person to cover up this secret mission. I like Kirk in the pointed ears and the jokes they make about his pointed ears. Um, it also sets a stage for uh, the next generation of uh, with Spock and the unification and going undercover as Romulans. It's all kind of set up in this episode. Yeah, I, I think it's important to the the future of the canon. I say we keep it. Yeah. See, look at that. So far, we've kept half of the episodes of season three. Yeah, it's not bad at all. This is this is looking real good. Yeah, maybe season, season maybe three we fans. were wrong about season three. Maybe season three really is. Maybe it's the best season of the original series. Let's find out. I'm excited now. <laughs> All right. The next episode is the Paradise Syndrome, mm-hmm. a a mysterious alien device on a planet with a predominantly American Indian culture erases Captain Kirk's memory and begins a life with them as a member of their tribe. Yeah. You know what I remember most about this episode? When um, Kirk gives CPR to, I think it's a kid. Yeah. And, and he uses his uh, his crazy new technique of pumping their legs. <laughs> that is this episode, isn't it? Yeah. Because, oh. I mean, that was, you know, that's how you do it, right? That's how Kirk does it. That's how they did it back in 1966, I guess. But. I was I was hoping that it would be, I am Kirok! Oh, yeah, there's that, too. Yeah. I, I think we can... There's a lot to remember about this episode, but a lot to forget. Yeah. Again, another thing I have problems with in all of Star Trek is not only gaining knowledge of things and then forgetting them, but forgetting knowledge you already had. Mm-hmm. And that being the plot like oh kirk hit his head and now he can't remember who he is it is it is nice to have kirk have like a a legitimate relationship with someone Mm -hmm. like like his relationship with mirame is uh is is sweet and kind and it's it's heartbreaking in the end but it's not really kirk 
falling in love with this person. It's Kirok. It's it's a it's a it's a different character. Yeah. So so I don't think that this affects Kirk in the long run that it would be necessary to keep it around. No. Get rid right. of it. Okay. It's gone. All right. The next episode up is And the Children Shall Lead. The crew of the Enterprise rescues a group of children stranded on a planet along with their evil imaginary friend. No. No. Yeah, no, I, I can't even tell gone. you which kid episode this is, but it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, <laughs> going into this thing, I was like, hmm, maybe I should rewatch some of season three so that I know which episodes are which, so that I know, you know, which ones we need to keep and which ones we need to dump. We, we need to dump. But then thinking about it, I'm like, okay, if I don't remember an episode, it's not important enough to keep. You know, <laughs> so who cares what these episodes are? No, right. That's that was kind of my thing too. But this is the one with the creepy ginger kid, and that's all you really need to know. Okay, all right. The next episode is: Is there in truth no beauty? Question mark. The Enterprise travels with an alien ambassador who must travel inside a special black case because his appearance causes insanity. Mm-hmm. This is the return of Diana Moldar. I mean, I kind of like the concept here, you know, and the yeah. idea that, you know, it's kind of like a, what is it, like a Cthulhu thing, you know? And yeah. it's sort of one of the few times on uh, the original series where they, did well, in all of Star Trek, really, where they were like, look, here's an alien race which is so alien to us that, like, we basically don't even understand it, you know? And that's kind of cool. It is cool. That being said, you know, is it a good episode? I don't know. I mean, does it have anything in there that we need? I don't know. So I'm kind of on the fence about this one. What do, what do you think? I'm I'm on the fence, too. Uh, there's nothing really bad about it, but there's nothing really uh, lasting. You know, we've got the... Uh, Spock sees the eye of madness and goes crazy, which is which is all right. Uh, and we get the whole you know reveal that the, his care that his caretaker is blind and she's got the cool sensor dress and stuff. But I mean, it's not really necessary to like continuity. It's not necessary to continuity, and it's not such a good episode that it you know is really worth. Keeping, but then again, like I mean, you know, thinking about it now, there is a lot of stuff in there which conceptually is kind of worthy of inclusion. Yeah. So maybe maybe we should just keep it. Yeah. We why will. not? All right, we'll keep it. We'll keep it. See. All look, right. Look at that. We're yeah, we're at uh, what two for five now? It's forty yeah, percent. That's pretty good. I mean, if if that was a, a, a baseball player and uh, that was their percentage for for batting. They would be in the Hall of Fame. They would be like considered to be the best player of all time. Wow. Yeah. That that's silly. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to hit a baseball. I yeah, I understand that. I've tried. Yeah. Believe it or not. Okay, the next episode is Spectre of the Gun. For trespassing on an alien world, Captain Kirk and his companions are forced to reenact the famous shootout at the OK Corral with themselves cast as the losing side. This isn't a bad episode. It, uh... <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that it's a good episode, you know? I mean, you, it... you get some ingenuity with them trying to make, you know, the knockout gas with the, uh, with the chemicals in the bar. But the whole cheapness of the sets... Mm -hmm. I mean, which supposedly is, is justified in story. Yeah. And Chekhov falling in love with a person he knows is an illusion. Yeah. Is frustrating. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not, you know, a huge defender of this episode or anything like that. If if you're if you're not a fan, that's fine. We can cut it out. But uh yeah. I don't know. What do you mm. think? I don't know. It's one of those on the fence things. Like it would, you know, be the first to go in the second round of cuts, but we'll keep it around. All right, cool. So now we're we're back at fifty uh, fifty. Wow, this is 
not going the way we expected. Yeah. Next up is Day of the Dove, an alien energy-based life form that feeds on negative emotions such as fear, anger, and hatred, drives the crew of the Enterprise into brutal conflict with the Klingons. I like this episode. Yeah, I, I like it too. And, you know, being a Klingon episode and having, uh, I forget which of the three Klingons is in here. Is this I don't Kang? I believe it's Kang, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, that's kind of necessary, especially if uh, we're looking way down the line at uh, Deep Space Nine and Voyager. This is true. It's nice to have that connection, even though it's not necessary. It's nice. So, yeah, it's I, Kang. I think yeah, that we should definitely right. keep this one. Look All at right. that. Look at that. Four for seven. Oh, my God. We are in over 50%. It's still early. Let's, let's see. Let's yeah, see it's very it early. This is episode eight. Yeah. For the world is hollow, and I have touched the sky. As McCoy discovers he is dying of an incurable disease, the crew of the Enterprise rush to stop an asteroid from colliding with a Federation world only to discover that the asteroid is, in fact, a disguised alien vessel. They find an entire civilization living in the ship who believe they're actually on a planet and a dictatorial dictatorial oracle who forbids any attempt to discover the truth. Yeah, you know, the description of a lot of these episodes is a lot better than um, what I remember. You know, it's kind of weird, and, and this seemed to happen a lot, you know, like reading like uh these are the voyages and stuff like that there's like you'd read these these concepts and everything and you'd be like wow that sounds insane that sounds like you know a 200 million dollar blockbuster how could they have thought they'd pull it off and then you read descriptions of the episodes that actually aired and you're like wow they actually did that they actually did something that's that high concept and then you watch the episode and it's like uh, it's just a bunch of people sitting around a set talking about right. these things in reality. It's weird. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't really think this episode works. I don't think there's anything in it which needs to be there. I think it would it's, be better if it wasn't there. It's kind of a shame to lose the, you know, one of the very few McCoy-centered stories. But it's not... It doesn't affect him in any way. Yeah. It's not like they go back to Yolanda in Star Trek Three as McCoy's, you know, struggling with with having Spock's Katra or anything. Well, I think McCoy would be the first to tell you that, you know, um some things which are good for you are only good in moderation. Uh. So, you know, he'd probably be okay with us cutting this episode out in order to uh keep up his his overall quality <laughs> okay we'll cut it so now we're back to 50 percent. i mean if we keep this average up we're uh this is going to be impressive I, I think that that'll keep on an average i think we kept like 12 episodes per season yeah next up is the tholian web Captain Kirk is caught between dimensions while the Enterprise is trapped in an energy-draining web spun by mysterious aliens. A sequel to this episode is In a Mirror Darkly, the second-to-last major story arc of the final season of Star Trek Enterprise. Yes. Well, I think what? we have to keep this episode because, um, for one thing, it's it's actually pretty good. But then also, yeah, it becomes a sequel to like the best episode of Enterprise. So... <laughs> Wait, is it a sequel to it or is it a prequel to it? It's a, it's it's a it's a sequel if you go by the timeline of the uh, Defiant. It's a well, this episode. Okay, the Enterprise episode is a <laughs> sequel to this, but a prequel to Mirror Mirror. Yes. Okay. Right. All right. So keep it for sure. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think it has a lot of good character moments. I like Spock being put in charge and him and McCoy listening to to Kirk's final command and that kind of stuff. So it's worth keeping more than just uh, that, that one episode of enterprise. that doesn't really fit into its own continuity. All right. The next episode is Plato's stepchildren. The crew of the enterprise encounters an ageless and mischievous race of psychic humanoids who claim to have organized their society around ancient Greek ideals. Yeah. I think we can get rid of this episode. 
it's it's a shame to lose the cultural impact of the original airing of the episode with the first interracial kiss, but it's we're not looking at it from production groundbreaking things. We're looking at it from plot. Yeah. And no. Right. No. Yeah, that's gone. A little person riding Captain Kirk around like a horse is not. All right. The next episode is Wink of an Eye. The invisible, time-accelerated aliens take over the Enterprise and attempt to abduct the crew for use as genetic stock. No, thank you. It's one of those things where, like, conceptually it's cool, and the way that it's yeah. done visually is actually pretty interesting. But on the whole, it's not a very good episode. And if we get rid of it, keeping blink of an eye in Voyager is is a lot more justified because the titles aren't confusing anymore. I guess that's true. I don't remember what blink of an eye was in Voyager. Blink of an eye is the one where uh, the Voyager comes in orbit of a planet and the planet is so accelerated like you know thousands of years ago this this star appeared in our sky and then eventually like it keeps cutting back to the planet and every few minutes the planet's a couple hundred years in the future oh, and so they eventually like, discover like space right yeah it's it's voyager's interstellar yes that's cool all right uh next episode number 12 the empath while visiting a doomed planet the landing party is subject to torturous experiments to test an emphatic race. Not an emphatic race. An empathic race. They're, they're not very emphatic about, about things. Yeah. I don't recall anything about this episode. I, I vaguely remember it, but I think the fact that neither of us really are familiar with it uh, suggests that it's not worth keeping. Right. Definitely. Number 13, Elon of Troyes which I can never pronounce. Captain Kirk hosts a spoiled princess who must bring peace to a star system at war. As impressive as it is how many times she changes her costume, it's not impressive enough to keep in continuity because let's cut as many spoiled brats as we can out of this continuity. Mm-hmm. The, the only real interesting thing about this episode is it's the first time and one of the very few times in Star Trek history where an episode or a movie was written and directed by the same person. Oh, yeah. John Meredith Lucas. Nice. Yeah. But not anymore. Nope. It's gone. All right. Whom gods destroy? Captain Kirk visits a mental health facility and confronts an insane starship captain who believes he is destined to control the universe. Okay, this is the one with Garth of Izar or whatever. Yes, yes. And it's like the basis of uh, Axanar and all that stuff, right? Right. And I know there's like a lot of people who like talk about Garth and they're like, it's, he's the best. This is so awesome. Right? Right. Yeah, why do they do that? I don't understand. Well, in this episode, we don't really get to... Because Kirk looks up to him is why so many fans are fans of Garth. Okay. Right. And and someday we'll have Alec Peters on, and he'll explain to us yeah. uh, everything about it. Yeah, but uh, I think it's because Kirk looks up to him that that we're supposed to look up to him, or that a lot of fans look up to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is in this episode, he's possessed. Yeah, so you, it's one of those things like you never get to see the real him, right? Uh huh. But but the the idea of Kirk having a hero, yeah, is is a big deal. And and I can see that. I I, I know we're probably not going to go through fan productions and decide whether or not they fit into our canon. No, we no. might. Uh, no, probably that's, not. that's opening a a whole can of worms. We'll have to read all the books and all the comics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I don't know. They never mentioned Garth again. If we're only if we're not sticking with, if we're not keeping the 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 fan productions and stuff then uh yeah let's let's get rid of it yeah there's just not enough in the episode itself to justify keeping it the, it is like the only other time we see uh an orion slave girl yeah that's that's okay we don't need to see that that's fine okay yeah 
but Kirk kisses green women. That's the thing that he does that he never, ever actually does. And this is his only interaction with uh, an Orion slave woman. Yeah, yeah. All right. So our, our percentage is falling down. Yeah, it happens. We're at a five of of 14. Five of 14? Really? I thought it would have been higher than that still. Okay. No, no I don't think so. All right. We had a big run of uh, throwing outs. Yeah. Uh, number 15, let that be your last battlefield. The Enterprise picks up the last two survivors of a war-torn planet who are still committed to his, to destroying each other aboard the ship. Isn't that spoilers? Maybe. That we don't know that they're the last two survivors of their war-torn planet? I mean, I guess so. But, yeah. But, I mean, that's, I don't know. That, to me, isn't a big deal um, for this particular story. But, um, yeah, hey, I mean, this is like the one episode from this season which is actually, like, legitimately good, right? Right. So we should probably keep it. And, uh, according to Federation, the first 150 years, which I just finished reading, uh-huh. uh, their planet is the one that uh, uh, develops cloaking devices for the Romulans. Oh. Before mm. they destroy themselves. And then we definitely need to keep it, otherwise... That would have no impact on anything at all. Because <laughs> yeah. it all happened behind the scenes. Yeah. That's cool. All right. Um, but I just thought that was neat. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll keep that around. It, because it's it's actually legitimately trying to say something. Yes. Yes. It's very Star Trek. It's It may be the most Star Trek of all Star Trek. Yeah, it's definitely what I would point to as being, this is what science fiction is about. Yeah. <laughs> Obvious parallels. Mm-hmm. All right, the next episode, here we're getting into things where you don't remember what the titles mean. The Mark of Gideon. An overpopulated race of aliens abduct Kirk to solve their problem. I think this is the one where they make a replica of the Enterprise mm-hmm. underground. Yeah. And then try to convince Kirk that the... That he needs to, I don't even remember. You know, there's actually some cool stuff in this episode. Like, I never remember which episode this is, but, like, the whole thing where you see, like, the overpopulated society and they're, like, literally, like, wall to wall. I mean, that's some pretty awesome stuff and, like, terrifying in a lot of ways. I mean, this is almost like a Twilight Zone episode. It is. I mean, especially with the uh, the shots of Kirk seeing them yeah. in the windows. He's yeah. just like, I don't know what's going on. My problem is logistically... With an overpopulated planet, you have the room to build an entire starship underground. Yeah. I mean, that's a big-ass ship to just be, well, you know, we're going to trick this one guy. But to be fair, you could probably fit most of the corridors in a warehouse. Yeah. As, mean, long, as, you, as long as you change all the numbers on the deck real quick while the, uh, while the elevator is going, quote-unquote. Yeah. Then you could probably trick Kirk for a while. Yeah, I don't know. I I think you know you, you got to cut him some slack in that area, and and uh, on the whole, I would say this episode is is good enough to to keep. All right. I mean, I don't have any problems with it. I just don't remember it. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 keep it. It might be a hidden gem. All right. The next episode is that which survives. The crew of the Enterprise visits an abandoned outpost guarded by a mysterious computer. Well, the whole computer thing is your specialty, so uh, you tell me. I I don't recall. Yeah, I don't recall either, so I'd say let's get rid of it. (laughs) Let me skim through this this thing here. Yeah, I think they're stuck on a planet, and then they see a woman, and it turns out that she's a computer. Yeah, no. Yeah, forget that. All right, uh, the next episode is The Lights of Zatar. Strange energy-based alien life forms threaten the Memory Alpha Station and the Enterprise crew. Yeah. The only thing I really remember about this episode is that it's written by Sherry Lewis, which Mm -hmm. is very weird. But uh, that's cool. Um, I'd say let's get rid of it. Sherry Lewis, like uh, Lamb Chop? Yeah, yeah. Like her and her Wait, husband. Wait, what? Yeah. Was I was joking. What? No, yeah, it was written by Drew her. Drew clicks the link. Her and her husband. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. 
Yeah, it is. That explains. I don't know. I <laughs> wish that that uh that puppet from uh you know Sulu's plant. That was Lamb Chop. Beauregard. I wish that that was in this episode. Uh, or maybe Beauregard could have made a cameo on Lamb Chop. Oh that man, been cool. As Lamb stands, Chop's play along yep. takes place in Star Trek continuity. As it stands, none of that happened. So oh. I'd say let's get rid of it. Okay. The next episode is Requiem for Methuselah. Yes. Aired February 14th, 1969, Valentine's Day. It's it's, it's the okay. only thing I remember about that episode. Hear me out. Okay. Okay, so the thing says the crew of the Enterprise encounters an immortal human who lives as a recluse in his own planet. So supposedly this guy is, uh, you know, immortal. He's lived the life of a whole bunch of famous people on Earth and other places. But I, I think the key is he has an android companion that Kirk falls in love with because Kirk does. But Kirk is, like, really affected by her death at the end of the episode. Like, really, really affected. And the end of the episode is uh, like him talking to to Bones and Spock about it, about how tore up he is, and then he just kind of falls asleep. And Spock walks over to him, and you know does like the Vulcan mind meld thing, and just says forget. Yes, and like that's how the episode ends. And I think for that moment, this episode is worth keeping in continuity because yeah. that is that that shows a, a strong the strong bond of friendship. That Spock is willing to, like, erase part of Kirk so that he can be better. I don't know. I mean, that seems kind of harsh. Like, oh, I'm going to erase part of you. But, I mean, that that shows care uh, and and something you normally don't see from Spock. Well, that's fair enough. All right. We can keep it. All right. The next episode is The Way to Eden. Yay, the Enterprise, brother, right? Isn't that yes. The, thing? Okay. the Enterprise is hijacked by a criminal doctor and his loyal, hippie-like followers who are attempting to find paradise. Also known as the musical episode of the original series. Also known as the episode where Charles Napier plays a hippie, which is really freaking weird. Um, but hey, this episode is terrible. Yeah. It's real, real bad. This is the one that everyone talks about, where they're like, they're, they did space hippies. Yeah, this is the third season episode that when po- people point to third season episodes, this is the one they point to. They point to this, and they also point to Spock's brain. I think the, those two are the two, you know? Yeah, but the way to Eden is just no. Yeah, I'd say let's get rid of it. All right. The Cloud Minders. Kirk races against time to acquire plague-fighting minerals from a world in the midst of a civil uprising. Yeah, this is one of those episodes where you hear the description and you're like, they did what? This sounds like something out of Empire Strikes Back. Oh, yeah, they go to a cloud city. Yeah, and and I'm like, where is all the, you know, I'm like, and then you watch it and you're like, oh, oh, they're just on the same set that they're on every week. Okay, well, yeah, maybe that's not that great. I don't know. Yeah, I don't recall enough details about it to, uh, I mean, I know the plot, I know what happens, and I know that people fall <laughs> from great heights, but uh, it, I don't I don't see it being referenced later that we would need to keep it. No, I don't think so. All right, we're almost done. Uh, the Savage Curtain, aliens force Kirk and Spock to battle illusionary villains in a test of good versus evil. This is the one where we get Abraham Lincoln versus Kalis. Yeah. And even though you do establish Kalis here, it's a fake Kalis and it's a stupid Kalis. And I, I would say let's get rid of it. You, you don't care for, for Abraham, floating Abraham Lincoln? No, I don't. Oh. No. I, I, will not, I will not argue with you. Hey, uh, look, story Gene Roddenberry. Yeah, yeah. All right. Second to last episode, All Our Yesterdays. Kirk, Spock, and McCoy are trapped in the past on a world threatened by a Nova. And this is the one where Spock uh, falls in love in the past because being in the past causes his Vulcanism to regress to the point 
of where it was in the past, though the humans don't become like Neanderthals. Because that's how evolution works. Right. Yeah, I think we should get rid of this episode. It's a shame to lose a Spock love story, but I think you have a lot of problems with that science there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the last episode of season three is Turnabout Intruder. Kirk's consciousness... (laughs) (laughs) Kirk's consciousness becomes trapped in the body of a woman bent on killing him and taking over his command while inhabiting his body. Which the, the emphasis Wikipedia's. As much as I love watching William Shatner play a woman playing Captain Kirk, um, and I do really love that, I don't think it's enough to justify including this episode as So you don't think you don't think this is the series is all good things? Like the the perfect ending to a series? No, I think that Star Trek Six is the series is all good things. Uh-huh. Yeah. But if we lose this, and since we lost all our yesterdays and the Savage Curtain and the Cloud Minders and the Way to Eden, then, you know, Requiem for Methuselah is the final episode of of TOS proper in our canon. Oh. And then it ends with, with that moment that you were talking about. And that's a pretty good out point. That just gave me shivers. I like it. Yeah. So... Turnabout Intruder needs to go. So it looks like we kept one third. Hey, this is not bad. Of season three, what was your what was your guess, or were you just did you not actually have numbers? I was guessing like five. Wow. Yeah. That that was going to be mine, five or six. Yeah. But we kept a couple on the fence ones, and I think that's what what swung it up. Yeah. See, we don't hate TOS season three. No. Okay. Yes. Well, I I do. Yes, I do. But now we have a list of episodes we know we can talk about because they're okay. Yeah. All right. So our standard orbit canon for season three is the Enterprise incident. Is there in truth no beauty? Spectre of the gun. Day of the dove. The Tholian web. Let that be your last battlefield. The Mark of Gideon. And Requiem for Methuselah. And I almost said Requiem for a dream. But that's different. That's that's in Star Trek canon, too. <laughs> it should be, anyway. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll figure that out. Yeah. Something to do with being on a game show. I don't know. <laughs> Mirror Universe. Of course. There we go. It takes yeah. place in 24 continuity. Yes. Well, that was our season three. Uh, uh, do you have the list of season one? I don't, offhand. But... Um, but we're not done yet. Oh, we, we yes. We've still got uh, a couple of other seasons of television to do. and, and That I have to watch well. first. Yeah, the animated series. We need to go through the animated series, and then we need to go through the movies. And okay. then we'll have our, our full list. It'll be a while. I can't promise that I'm going to drop everything and watch the animated series. Just watch one a day. They're only 20 minutes long. Yeah, that's true. I could probably squeeze it in. Yeah. Yeah. So give me a month or two. It's we'll fresh Trek. It's fresh Trek that you've never seen. It's Star seen. Trek I've never seen. That's true. Yeah. I should be more excited about seeing it. Yeah. Okay. So now that we've done season three, we're going to jump into a quick little news segment to follow up on our episode on Orchi uh, and the director of Star Threek. <laughs> So, uh, I, I really like, I forget who it was on Facebook who came up with, um, Star Trek tachyon drift. I, th- <laughs> I think that that's pretty good, you know? Okay. I mean, the big, why, joke, why are we calling it that? Why is it tachyon? Dr- well, we're calling it that because the director of fast and furious three through six, as well as some other things has, um, been named as the director of the new Star Trek movie, Justin Lin. Yes. He has a very um, interesting filmography. He's definitely best known for doing the Fast and the Furious movies. Um, and, and for those people who don't get the Tachyon Drift reference, the third Fast and the Furious movie, which is the first one that he did, was called the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. 
before which, they decided to integrate the numbers into the titles. Well, no, because they'd already done Too Fast, Too Furious. The so when they decided scheme, that was stupid, and the, then they went back to it. Okay, the naming scheme for <laughs> for uh, the Fast and the Furious movies is completely all over the place and completely awesome. Probably the best of any movie franchise. There was, for those people who don't know, The Fast and the Furious. Not directed by Jason Lynn. No. Then Too Fast, Too Furious, which is awesome. That's a good title. Then The Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift, because this is like a side story with different characters that takes place in Tokyo, right? Okay. So then for the fourth one, it's like, here's where they got the gang back together, and it was really sort of like returning to their roots. So they called it Fast and Furious. Without the thes. Right, which is, of course, very confusing, but also like, oh, that's clean. I like that. That's very clean. So then for the fifth one, at this point, people were just like, whatever, whatever. They were doing what they do with Star Trek. They are like, Star Trek 3, Star Trek 3. You know, this this movie, Star Trek 3, and it's like, you have a Star Trek 3. Well, whatever. So for this one, they were, people were just like, Fast 5, Fast 5, Fast 5. Is, okay. Are there five people? We don't know. Like Ocean's 11, Fast 5. <laughs> um, Galileo 7? Yeah. Know. But whatever. It's called Fast 5. And I'm like, well, that's an interesting way to go with it. So what do you call the next one? And all the advertising and everything was like Fast and Furious 6. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Furious 6 is obviously what you would call the next one, Furious 6, right? It just makes sense. And all the advertising, all the posters are like Fast and Furious 6. And I'm like, this is so stupid. This is, I don't even know what's going on here. And I sat down in the theater to watch it, and they have their little opening title sequence and I was sitting there with Brandon, my, my co-host on Off Topic, <laughs> and then the title comes up on screen, and it says Furious 6. And I'm like, yeah! <laughs> and I, like, stand up and start, like, yelling at the top of my lungs. It was easily the highlight of uh, my my time in a movie theater in 2013. They're messing it up with this new one. They're calling it Furious 7. But who knows? They could change that. You know, I don't know where you go. And, and 7. And 7. You could do and 7. So, yes. Yes. <laughs> if if nothing else, we know that we're going to get a good title out of this movie. Because Justin yes. Lin knows how to do titles. <laughs> and Justin Lin isn't directing 7. So that no. would be why the title isn't any good. Exactly. Right. So, yes, he's directed three through six. Um, and, uh, you know, three and four are not good. But five and six are very good. You know, five in particular is, is a very solid movie. It's it's very fun, kind of over-the-top action. Um, sort of like imagine Ocean's Eleven, but with really, really elaborate um car sequences now see when you describe it like that that gives me shivers yeah it's pretty cool and there's a lot of people who are like this is so fake and it's like yeah yes it is totally fake (laughs) yes it's called a movie (laughs) yes it's 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 the most movie a movie can be but um i kind of like that and, you know, it's not like he's beholden to this style. I, there's there's a couple of movies which he made before this, which I haven't seen. Um, one was uh, Better Luck Tomorrow, which is um, uh, kind of a little indie that he did, which was very critically acclaimed. I remember when it came out, Roger Ebert gave it like four stars and stuff like that. And that's sort of like put what put him on the scene. And then he did Annapolis, which is a little drama with like James Franco and someone else, which is apparently horrendously bad. I I don't know. I haven't seen it. And then he started making these movies. But he's also done TV, which is kind of interesting, too. He he directed uh, three episodes of Community, including the the first paintball episode, which I know everyone considers to be really good, Modern Warfare. Mm -hmm. And now he's directing uh, the first two episodes of season two of True Detective. Which, you know, I mean, we haven't seen yet because they haven't been made yet. But season one of True Detective is like some of the best television ever. And, you know, they've got the same writer on board. And, you know, the thing 
to me, even though I haven't seen his community or his true detective, the thing to me which really stands out is, you know, there's a lot of people who consider community to be the best comedy on television. And there's a lot of people, probably including myself, who consider true detective to be the best drama on television. And the fact that the producers of both of those shows are like, you know what, we're going to get Justin Lin in here to make sure that everything um, goes according to plan and, you know, um, gets our vision to the screen properly or whatever. You know, we're going to trust this guy to get our vision to the screen. That says a lot. Yeah. So... Um, and, it, and it shows a variety. That's my thing is everybody's just like, oh, there's going to be Fast and Furious Star Trek. It's like, look at most directors. Most directors don't stick to the same genre. They they direct what they're, they're unless they're a writer-director, which he isn't. No, he's written, like he wrote his, the little indie thing, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. He's, def- he's, not, he's not writing Star Trek 3, even if, or she is or isn't. Depending on who's fighting today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Orsi has been sending some mixed signals, I guess. He's like, I'm producing, nothing more, nothing less. And then two days later, he's like, uh, the new story is being written by Payne and McKay and myself. So, so yeah. And, and you know, there's the other thing is that Orsi has worked with um, uh, Lynn before, uh, there's a new TV show on, I believe, CBS right now, which is called uh, Scorpion, which I haven't mm-hmm. seen. But uh, Orsi's a producer on it, and so is Lynn, because Lynn um, directed the pilot. And in regards to that, in regards to Lynn's involvement in the franchise, Orsi uh, posted on Trek Movie, we had a great time together on the pilot for Scorpion. He made it look twice as costly as it was, he is a pro and a gentleman. Trek is lucky to have him. Now, that would mean that I've seen the climax of Scorpion because people were making fun of it. Really? So that would mean oh. that the climax of the first season, first episode of Scorpion is the only Jason Lynn beyond trailers that I've seen. Okay. And while the premise is the dumbest thing I've ever seen, mm-hmm. which is that there are planes that... Uh, all of their, like, no, no, the the control tower at an airport, like, all of its memory banks have been erased by, like, some hacker, mm-hmm. but all of the planes have uh, have backups of them. So they need to, in order to land all the planes, they need to get that backup off of a plane. So they get a Ferrari or some fast car, I don't know, and and they drive down the runway and have the plane, like, not land, but just, like, skim on top of them and they dangled an Ethernet cable out the bottom of the plane so that they could plug it into a laptop so that uh, they could download the uh, the backup so that they could then upload it to the towers so that the plane that was already 20 feet off the ground can then land. Okay. And there's no such thing as wireless. And there's, uh, I don't know, there's a lady dangling by an Ethernet cable off the bottom <laughs> of a plane. And I don't know about you and your familiarity with Ethernet cables, but those twisted pairs are not going to... The twisted pairs will keep, sure. But those connectors at the end, they're not staying. Yeah, yeah. They're popping right out. Well, you know... Anyway, but, but it looked great. And and if that's what was in the script, you know? Yeah. Then, you know, if he was able to successfully bring that to the screen, so... It looked great. It looked exciting, even though I was watching it because I read that it was the dumbest climax ever. It and I didn't know at the time who Justin Lin was or any of this stuff. Oh, okay, I so was like, I kind of want to watch the whole episode. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm definitely going to watch it. Yeah. So yeah, Justin Lin. I I'm I'm excited to see what what he can bring to the table if he brings anything but being able to competently put a script on the screen. Yeah. Which, at least he has directorial experience. That's true. I mean, even if it is we're taking an Orsi story and we're putting it on screen, and now we're just taking an Orsi story and putting it on screen, at least it's going to... I mean, Orsi's unproven. I'm sure that he would have been able to figure it out. But we've got a guy who already knows how to do that. He knows how to take these words 
and make them reality. Yeah, and he is having some story input. I mean, someone asked, like, hey, um, is the Shatner cameo still in the movie? And Orsi's response was, uh, I don't know yet. We haven't talked about that with Justin yet. Well, I would hope that it would be one of those things. Like, if they had asked me to direct Star Trek Three, and, and uh, they were just like, oh, we want to do this Kirk cameo thing, and uh, I would refuse to direct it. Uh, I would reject. I would. I would just reject that scene flat out. So it, it's kind of nice that uh, that they are taking the director in because the director may calm down some things that that the writers may put in because they're stupid. Yeah, you never know. You never know. It's cool, but yes, I mean it's 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 cool to think that you know Star Trek is now in the hands of of someone new, and we know, I guess, more than anything, that we know who that person is, you know. Um, and there's, there's, I, I've, I've read a lot of people online who are like, Star Trek fans are such nerds. Like who, cause now of course the big question is like, well, what's going on with the script, you know? And they're like, do you do this with any other movie? When they say there's a new Captain America movie coming out, are you like, who's writing the latest draft of the script? And it's like, maybe, yes, we, maybe, maybe some people do that. Some people don't, uh, you know, for me, I guess my thing is like, we probably should, you know, because otherwise you're just like blindly saying like, well, I'm going to watch it because it's Star Trek, which of course is true. I am right. totally going to watch it because it's Star Trek. And they could have said anyone was directing it. And I'd be like, yes, opening day. I'm here. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's cool to sort of have an idea of who this is so that you can sort of understand where they're coming from with their art, you know. I mean, it is something that someone is trying to say. If it's like when we give up that, then we're basically just saying like it is a product, you know. If it doesn't matter who makes the movies, right? It really doesn't matter. The movies don't matter. That's true. Oh well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, it was fun talking about season three and Justin Lin today. Not combined. Heavens no. But that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. And and so I was biased against it. it even when I started buying the, the two-disc collector's edition DVDs, I avoided buying any of the even-numbered movies. Odd-numbered Odd numbered movies. movies. Earl Grey. Like uh, like they stated in the end of the movie, you know, they thought he'd outlive all of them. And I'm like, yeah, that's what should have happened. We should have seen Data, like in the, you know, 26th century, like Data 5.0, whatever we call them. To the journey! You don't know if she's going to stab him or smooch him. She's going to smooch him, of course, after dessert. <laughs> after dessert. We all know what dessert means. Warp 5. Along with technology and along with trying to study the origins of a lot of different things that we've come to know in, in the original series and beyond, it's hard to try and deconstruct it without insulting what has come in all of the things that we know of being Vulcan Mind Melt. Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. And my thought was in the next scene, Crusher should have the body of the dead Klingon sitting on the back of her toilet holding a candle. You know, <laughs> which she would only get to do after Lieutenant Yara's gotten to hold the dead Klingon up to her ear to see if she can hear the ocean. Commentary, Trek stars. Everything you would imagine would be in an opening title sequence for this show is in there. I think the shot that really does it for me, the shot that really pulls everything together is when he dunks the basketball. <laughs> Melodic tricks. So we do know an awful lot of people get associated with Vic Fontaine. He name drops to the nth degree about all the famous people that he hangs around with. One of whom is Frank Sinatra. Axenar, the official podcast. When there's a possibility for something to be misunderstood or um, not clearly explained, it can potentially open up a big hole for a show because people can end up going down a path that was actually not what somebody wanted to be done. The 602 Club. What are those Bond movies that you go back to time and time again because they just do it better? Uh, first of all, Matthew, nobody does it better. That's true. Uh, it makes uh, me feel sad for the rest. <laughs> 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 and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. you find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, 
the Windows Podcast Director for Xbox and Zoom, Spreaker, SoundCloud, all kinds of places. Or you can just stream it from the website. You can visit trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. Let's tell everybody where they can contact us if they'd like to share their thoughts on their favorite episodes of Season 3 that we threw out. I don't know about that. Just go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab on the left-hand column of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and our other listeners at our Facebook group, The Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? Well, you can find me right here on Trek.fm doing commentary, Trek Stars, with uh, my co-hosts John and Max. And you can also find me on commentarytrackstars.com where I do commentary track stars off topic with Max and Brandon. And you can find me on Twitter at mumbles3k. And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E, and in various other places around the internet. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week, and our sponsor for the show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone? Well, I have a book called Star Trek, Captain's Glory. Oh. I was hoping you found like a novelization of the Fast and the Furious books read by Vin Diesel. No, no. Or he just says, like, I am Groot. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) No. Um, This was written by William Shatner and uh, Judith and Garfield Reeves Stevens. Um, You mean Judith and Garfield Reeves Stevens. Did I not say that? No, you did. But it was written by them. Oh, yeah. And Shatner kind of waved his hand at it and said, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, probably. That's my guess. It was narrated by William Shatner, though. Oh, Um, okay. So he at least read it. Yeah. It's the description says during James T. Kirk's heroic five year mission as captain of the starship Enterprise, a mysterious alien threat called the Totality commenced its stealthy invasion, intending to conquer the Milky Way galaxy as it had conquered the Andromeda. Now the time for secrecy has passed, and a war unlike any other has begun one that threatens to destroy the Federation, first by bringing warp travel to an end, and then by absorbing all living matter into an unknown realm. And you can get this book for free since you listen to Trek FM. That book sounds awesome. Yeah. But yes, you're right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trek.fm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trek.fm and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek.fm. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This gets even crazier. I'm sorry. Do you mind if I read the rest of this here? Please. This is what I live for. Twice before, Captain Kirk has encountered the totality. Both times it took the beguiling form of Norinda, an irresistible alien who becomes the woman each person she meets most desperately desires. In his first encounter, Kirk almost lost the Enterprise. In his second encounter, he almost lost his child and watched in horror as the totality absorbed Spock in its monstrous dimensional tendrils. But now, Kirk faces an even more devastating personal challenge. The battle lines have been drawn, and he and his friend, Captain Jean-Luc Picard, are on opposite sides. After the events of Star Trek Nemesis, on the leading edge of Star Trek's future history, Captain's Glory depicts a Federation attacked from within on the brink of collapse with Earth's own solar system and armed and isolated camp. Reunited with Dr. Leonard Bones McCoy and Chief Engineer Scott, Kirk must join forces with Admiral Catherine Janeway and the holographic (laughs) doctor from the Starship Voyager in order to save Spock and expose the true nature of the totality. With Captain William Riker and Commander Deanna Troy of the Starship Titan, (laughs) 
Caught in the crossfire of the conflict between Kirk and Picard and Kirk's own child poised on the brink of startling of a startling destiny millions of years in the making, Kirk must prepare for his final encounter with the totality. But how can Kirk fight an enemy whose greatest weapon is love, and how can he triumph when the price of victory is the life of his only child? Oh my god. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm freaking out, you guys. We should do Captain's Glory. Yeah, we should do that as our as our um, you know, uh, network wide crossover. You know, we could get literary oh, yeah. tracks, Earl Grey, to the journey in there. Um, boy, no, no, Deep Space Nine though. Yeah, that's that's what's that's what I'm upset about. I'm sure that there are some scenes that take place on Deep Space Nine. Probably, probably. Anyway, they moved to Deep Space Nine to Earth orbit for some reason. Now you need to get that book on Audible.com. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay. All right. all right. Yes. Before you spend all of your money, if you've already used your free trial, before you spend all of your money uh, uh, buying Captain's Glory, uh, there's another way you can keep us in orbit, and that's by supporting us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash trekfm, you'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as an associate producer of our shows. You'll also find out where the donations can go, places like uh, covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for our shows, and upgrading our equipment. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm, so check it out. Man, a lot to get excited about. I mean, we kept a third of season three... We're getting a third J.J. Star Trek movie. We know who's directing it now. And we now know what book that we all need to read. I, I hope that Star Trek Thirteen is just an adaptation of Captain's Glory. Yes. That'd be awesome. And I would be totally fine with that because it sounds like uh, Kirk can be in it. Yeah. He's got another kid. I don't know. We can get Chris Pine to play his yeah, kid maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That works. I like that. All right. <laughs> Well, everybody, have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit. Ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.